So today I'm going to kind of continue the, the vein I started last week about does God have a plan for our life? And today the message is kind of about, hey, God, can I ask you a question? Now, you've probably seen those kids who are always asking questions. You know, their first word wasn't mama or dada. Their first word was why? Why? And when my kids went through that stage, they, it'd start out something like this. They'd say, hey, 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 dad, dad, hey, dad, 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 can I ask you a question? Dad, 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 I, I need to ask you a question. And, you know, sometimes I knew the answer. Sometimes I didn't, but I always acted like I did. You know, that's what, uh, that's what us dads are supposed to do. And, and it's because I understood that part of my role as a father and now as a grandfather is that I needed to attempt to answer all of these questions all 10,014 of them in one day. And, you know, as I think back, there have been some pretty unusual questions. Like I can remember my son asked me, hey, Dad, how do strawberries grow? I don't know. <laughs> they just grow. And so, you know, they come up with this off-the-wall stuff. But then, of course, there's always a, hey, Dad, 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 hey, Dad, Dad, uh, where do babies come from? And, you know, I, I always tried, I always tried to be very honest with my kids. My daughter's here. I've always tried to be very honest with them. And it was my son that asked. And he said, and I said, son, babies, uh, they come from the hospital. That's where they come from. Your mom and I get in the car with a big pile of cash and we go to the hospital and, uh, we just bring one home. That's, that's how it happens. My oldest son asked me one time, he said, hey, Dad, can, can we trade our brother in for a sister? And I said, no, buddy, I tried. And they said, no, we're stuck with him. But you know, there are days I just wanted to say, kids, enough. Stop with all the questions. And so have you ever wondered if God gets tired of our questions? You know, I wonder if God just throws up his hands and say, okay, that's enough. No more questions. Leave me alone. But even if he does, we don't stop, do we? We all have questions. Hey, God, when am I going to find the perfect husband? God, when am I going to find the perfect wife? Hey, God, when is that husband of mine that I have already going to be perfect? And then we say, hey, God, why did this happen to me? God, are, are you even up there? You see, because inquiring minds want to know. We have questions. And of course, we have the why did this happen or, or the question of, you know, how come that person can get away with that? We have those questions. But then also, I think most of us at one time or another has probably asked God, God, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? That if there is something for me to do, how am I going to do it? I mean, we just want to know. God, I mean, is there a plan for my life? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Is it really feasible that the creator of the universe, who after all does have quite a few things that he needs to be doing, is it possible that he could actually have a plan for me? Now, we sang today that he knows my name. 
The Bible says he knows my name. But do we really believe that he knows our name? You know, when we're in the fire, you know, the question is, is God involved or, or is he just watching? And because we're not sure, well, I mean, we resort to a lot of different methods looking for our own answers. And so we really want to know what the future is. We want to know when this thing is going to end. I want to know when the sun's going to shine again. And so what do we do? We develop our own methods to figure things out, right? I mean, how many remember the magic eight ball? Anybody remember that? Yeah, a few. Did you know they still have those? I looked it up on Amazon. It's a, it's a black plastic ball, looks like a pool ball, the number eight, and it has a glass bottom, uh, a little bubble on the bottom, and so you ask it a question, you turn it over, and a little cube floats up to the top and gives you the answers, most definitely. I'm not sure. It's possible. Now, when I was younger, my mom and dad wouldn't let me have one because they said it was demonic, but uh, anyway... So I had to sneak into the toy store to find out if Mary Beth loved me. And uh, it said most definitely that she did. But the fact is, she didn't even know who I was. You know, she was like three grades older than I was. Anyway, never mind. But you know, people use horoscopes. And then there's my favorite, the psychic hotline. Okay, now, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought that Someone would call the psychic hotline, and, and the psychic on the other end would say, man, you are a pathetic loser. Your year is going to be in the toilet. No. You never hear anyone getting bad news on something like that because they won't get paid if they give out bad news. They try to tickle the person's fancy so they'll keep coming back and keep getting the good news. And so why do people go to such lengths to know the future? Well, I think it's because we, we think that if we really knew what tomorrow held, that life would be better. If we knew what was going to happen, you know, we think in our minds, well, you know, then, then I could brace myself for it. But then, you know, and even as Christians, we want to know what's going to happen. And why we want to know what's happened is just in case we can take the controls in case God decides not to show up. And we've got to take the wheel away from Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. That's a song in case you... Man, I'm striking out on all points today. But what it is, what it's really about is, is that it's a trust issue. Or should I say a lack of trust issue. Because I really believe that if we actually knew what tomorrow held, we couldn't handle the knowledge. We couldn't handle the pressure. And you see, that's why God doesn't tell us what tomorrow holds. And so for some people, there's, this is a really big question because we wonder, does God really have a plan for me? Because if he does, I would sure like to know what it is because, hey, God, I am wandering around out here. I'm feeling all alone. Things are out of control. So I need to know, do you have a plan for my life, what that plan is, and how am I going to get out of this mess? But then there may be some of you that are here today, and you never expected to be in this situation that you're in. Some of you never planned to be addicted. Some of you never planned to have failed marriages. This wasn't supposed to be on your life's map. 
So today, your question may be a little bit different. Your question may be, God, do you still have a plan for my life, or have I, have I blown it? Well, friends, I want you to know I have good news for you today because my God, your God, can handle the big questions, and he can handle the hard questions. And the really good news is that most of the answers to our questions that we have are actually provided in writing, in God's holy word. The Bible is our guidebook for living, and in the pages of his word, we're going to find the principles that will direct our lives and answer the biggest questions that we have in our life. And so this morning, we're going to look at a plan that God, that God had for a man's life, and it begins when he's just a little baby. Helpless infant, this little guy couldn't make choices. He couldn't determine his future. He was completely vulnerable. And in looking at this story, perhaps we'll be able to discover something about God's plan for us. Now, this is a familiar story. Probably everyone in here has heard this story at one time or another, or at least heard about it. And the situation is there's a new Pharaoh in Egypt. He's concerned about the growing number of Israelites. Even though they're slaves, he's worried that if their number continues to increase and an invading army would come and invade Egypt, that the Israelites could turn the tide of the battle against Egypt. And so Pharaoh devises a plan to reduce the numbers of the Israelites. And so let's pick up the story in Exodus chapter 1, verse number 22. The Word of God says, So Pharaoh commanded all of his people, saying, Every Hebrew son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save to be alive. Continuing in Exodus chapter 2, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as his wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked alongside the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. What an amazing story. I mean, all the Hebrew boys were supposed to be killed so there wouldn't be any future generations. But not only does Moses survive, he ends up living in Pharaoh's house as royalty. I mean, that's so amazing. I mean, they should make a movie about that. Now, here's my question. 
Was this all a part of a divine plan? Was God involved or was this just a series of consequences? Now, first of all, the fact that Moses lived at birth, that was a great break because of the infant death rate at that time. Not most of the baby, a lot of the babies didn't make it. So Moses lived at birth. Then Pharaoh's daughter finds him alongside the river before the crocodiles found him. That's a pretty good break, I would say. Now, Moses' mom not only gets to raise her own son, but she gets paid to care for him. That sounds pretty lucky. And then Moses, who one day will be the deliverer of the Hebrew people, moves into the house of their oppressor, Pharaoh, who becomes his pawpaw. Another coincidence? I mean, come on. There's no way that this could happen randomly or by chance. Anyone can see God's handiwork in the life of Moses from the time that he was born. And so from this incredible story, we learn something about God's plan for us and how that plan operates in our life. Now, the first thing we learn is that God does have a plan for me. And it's not just an average plan, but it is a wonderful plan for me. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you go to Proverbs 16 and 9, and it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Friend, make no mistake, God has a plan for your life. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Life is not a random series of events. God has a customized plan just for you. But now you say, Mike, you know, I mean, that is good, and probably for Billy Graham or you know, maybe Mother Teresa, but you don't know what I've done. I've messed my life up. I've made mistake after mistake. I've hurt people. I've certainly disappointed people, and certainly I've disappointed God. Well, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Now, this is a guy who persecuted and killed Christians. His life mission was to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. But then after his conversion, he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, an extremely violent man, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering. All long-suffering. In other words, extraordinary patience as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Extraordinary patience. That's what God has for you and for me. And I know someone saying, but you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Friend, God wants to use you as an example of his extraordinary patience. Paul said, I was the worst of sinners, but yet God loved me and saved me so that I could be an example to you. Now, I look around this room, and even though there are not a lot of us here today, I still see a lot of rascals here. Now, I don't think there are any ex-Christian killers here. But I don't know all of your pasts. I know there's some wives that would like to kill their Christian husbands, but that's a different time. But there are a lot of exes. 
There are ex-sinners all over this room, including myself. This building is full of people who are ex-something or another. But thank God we can say, I was lost. I was an outcast. I had nothing to live for. But then I discovered that my God loves me and he cares for me and that he has a plan for my life. My heavenly Father looked down and lifted me out of the pit of sin. That is a blessing. And Psalms 139 says, All of the days ordained for me were written in God's book before one of them ever came to be. Listen, every single one of us are X something. But God has a plan for our life, and it is better than any plan we can come up with. So many times we think we've got the idea. We think we're like Ford and we have a better idea. But our idea will never compare to the plan that God has for your life. So here's another thing that we discover in our text today, that God is protecting me. In our story, Moses' mother puts him on the bank of the Nile River. If you can imagine, I mean, that's not a good place for a baby. I mean, you wouldn't leave your baby on the bank of the Oklahoma River. And there's not even any wild animals there, at least I don't think. But the Nile is infested with crocodiles and wild animals. I mean, this is a major trust moment. But Moses was not alone floating in the Nile. It wasn't just happenstance. God directed the tides. God commanded the current. God took care of the wild animals. And God put that basket exactly where it needed to be for Pharaoh's daughter to find it. Listen to me, God is our protector, and you are not floating through this life alone. You are not up the creek without a paddle. God knows right where you are. God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you need, and your loving Heavenly Father is watching over you. He is your strong tower. He is your shield. He is your sword, and God is not surprised by your situation. And you are not alone in your circumstance. And so he doesn't protect us so we can take that protection for granted. He protects us so that we can carry out the wonderful plan that God has for each one of us. I love what David wrote in Psalms 91. He said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Rest under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Verse 7 says, says, thousands may fall around, but it will not come near you. Verse 9 says, if you make the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. No disaster will come near your dwelling, for He will give His angels charge over you to keep you. Verse 14, because you have set your love upon me, says the Lord, I will deliver you. I will protect you when you acknowledge my name. If you call upon me, I will answer you. I will be with you in times of trouble. I will deliver you and I will honor you. And with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. What a promise. What a promise. A promise from Almighty God. 
Folks, God is protecting you so that you can carry out his wonderful plan that he has for your life. Now, there's a third thing that we learn from this story of Moses, and that is that God is positioning me. Remember last week we talked about God's GPS. I mean, who could ever imagine Pharaoh's daughter brings Moses, who is to be the deliverer of the Hebrew people, to live in the very palace of their oppressor. You see, God put Moses exactly where he wanted him. And in the palace, Moses was learning leadership skills. Moses was being cared for. He was being educated. He was being trained to be a leader. Moses sits at Pharaoh's table, and in the same way God positioned Moses, God is positioning you. God has put you in the very place so that you can accomplish his plan for his kingdom. And you may be saying, I don't understand why I am stuck at this lousy job. It's because God is positioning you. You may be thinking, I'm an eagle, so why am I surrounded by all these turkeys? God is positioning you. And you may be wondering, God, why is this happening to me? God is positioning you for his purpose. Why? Why do we go through the things that we have to go through? Why is he positioning you? Because God is allowing you during this season to learn and experience what you need to learn and what you need to experience so that you can accomplish his plan for your life and accomplish the plan that he has set for you in his kingdom. Friend, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Then the fourth thing that's happening in our text is God is providing for you. Now, in our story, it's a time of captivity. It's a time of hardship for the Hebrew people. God never promised we wouldn't have difficulties. Being a Christian never guarantees that there won't be difficult times. But God will provide. Moses is eating at the very table with Pharaoh, and God is providing for him because God had a plan for Moses. You know, so many times we take God's provision for granted. I mean, if God doesn't put a Cadillac in our driveway like we've asked him to, we get mad. We say, God didn't take care of me. I mean, we never give him praise and glory because he woke us up in the morning, because he put Cheerios in our belly, because he put clothes on our back. Because we were able to drive here to church on an icy day and we made it. God is providing for each one of us. You know, we enjoy his blessings and we think, you know, God, well, you know, would you bless me a little bit more? God is blessing you. God has blessed you. And he's blessed you because he has a plan for your life and he has a purpose for your life. And those blessings are not just so you can brag about what you have. Those blessings are to be used as tools so you can accomplish his purpose in your life. God is giving you what is necessary for his plan to go forward. And I know that that might surprise you, this might surprise you, but it's not all about your stuff. It's all about God and his stuff. And his plan for your life. God has a plan for each one of us. But you know, a lot of times, it's not good enough for us to know that God has a plan for us. We want to know what it is. We want to know what our purpose is. And we want to know now. What am I going to do? 
What's going to happen next? Where am I going for lunch? That's a big question that hit people about now on Sunday mornings. Listen, God's not a psychic hotline. I mean, God is God. He is almighty God. And so the issue is trust. Do you trust him today? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in five years. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes. But this is what I can tell you with all certainty. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, without a doubt, God has a plan for your life, and God is protecting you, God is positioning you, and God is providing for you. And I'll even take it a step further. While I'm no fortune teller, and I certainly don't claim to be a prophet, I know an awful lot about his plan for you specifically. And for $12, I'll be happy to share that plan with you in PDF or any sort of media you need. It'll be on the website, yeah. But the reason why I know about the plan that, for you, that there is for your life is because God has already spelled it out in the Bible. God's plan for you is twofold, and it applies to every single person in this room. And the first component of God's plan is that God wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. God loves you, and he wants you to love him in return and to rely on him for everything in your life. And God will rearrange circumstances in your life in such a way as to draw you near to him. He wants you to totally commit yourself to him and experience freedom from the sin that you have in your life. And so I know without a doubt, God's plan for your life is to have a relationship with him. Why? Because God is passionate about you. God loves you and God does know your name. Because only a passionate, loving Heavenly Father would send His Son, His only Son, to die on the cross for you. God's number one plan for you is to be in relationship with Him. And here's the second thing I know. God's plan for you is for you to help build His kingdom. Without a doubt. God's plan is for you to help build his kingdom. You see, God's plan for Moses was to lead the people out of captivity and out of slavery. Well, it's the same for you. God's plan is for you to lead people out of captivity, to lead people out of slavery from the devil, and to lead people out of their sin. God wants you to help other people experience freedom. God's plan for your life, a relationship with him, and to help build his kingdom. And I know, I know there's all these other details floating around in your head that you want to know about. Mike, should I take this new job? Should I go back to school? And you, we want to say, God, come on, I need you to be my magic eight ball. I need answers to these specific questions. But friend, listen to me. I'm afraid that we're worrying about the wrong things and we're asking the wrong questions. We want to know about all these other things when perhaps we should be praying in accordance with the plan that we know that he has for us. 
We need to say, God, I want my relationship with you to be the number one priority in my life. God, draw me closer to you. And then we should be praying, God, help me to lead others to a relationship with you. You see, that's how you know when you are praying in God's will. And when you pray those few prayers, I guarantee you will be dead center in the middle of God's plan for your life. And when you're putting his plan first, then it's so much easier to trust him with all of the other details and not worry about how he's going to work things out. You're saying, come on, Mike, you can't really believe that. I mean, if I don't take care of the details, who is? This is important stuff. Well, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew the questions that you would have. And he gave the answers to that. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when Jesus said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if you will do that, if you will seek him first, then all of these other things, all these other things, should I take the job? Should I go back to school? Where am I going for lunch? All these other things will be added to you. And that's why Jesus said, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, I have just been beating my head against the wall for about the last 10 days, just just really fretting over a situation, what to do, what to do, what to do. God, show me, 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 God, show me. God, show me, God, show me, God, show me, God, show me, God, show me. And it's like, it's like he slapped me upside the head and he said, hey, dude, I mean, I didn't tell Moses. I didn't tell Abraham where he was going. Why in the world would I tell your ugly face? Okay. Okay. All I have to do All I have to do is when I get up in the morning is say, God, give me the grace for today. Give me your grace to make it today. That's all I've got to do. I don't have to worry about tomorrow or the next day or the day after. God, give me the grace for today. And when we do, we can chunk the magic eight ball. And when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then the wonderful plan that God has for our lives, it will begin to unfold step by step by step. You know, I don't know if I'd want to know the future or not. I don't know if I'd want to know if the Lord tarries when I would die or if I just want it to happen. You see, because I really don't think I can handle the news. And I think that's why God keeps us in the dark. But here's what I do know, that he wants to be in a relationship with you and he wants you to bring other people to be in a relationship with him. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And he brings that plan to pass by protecting you and positioning you and providing for you. And so how is he going to do it? 
He's going to do it the same way he did it for Moses. God will bring about unbelievable circumstances. I mean, you have to admit the story of Moses is pretty unbelievable. It was so bizarre they made a movie about it. God arranged the circumstances to put Moses where he wanted him. And do you know why Moses, I mean, why God uses unbelievable circumstances? It's so you and I can't take the credit for it. He's an amazing God and he does amazing things. And the second way is that God is going to use unlikely people to bring your plan to pass. In the case of Moses, God used Pharaoh, the guy who was trying to kill Moses, to protect him. Pharaoh trained the guy who was going to set the Hebrew people free. See, that's how God works. God uses unbelievable circumstances and unlikely people to position you for his plan and his purpose. God has a wonderful plan for you, and you can trust him in that plan. And you may be thinking, well, it sounds good, and I want to believe it, but Mike, you really have no idea of what's going on in my life right now. You don't have any idea about the battle I'm facing. I'm hurting. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. How can I trust God's plan for me? Well, friend, listen to me. No matter what, the good times or the bad times, God has a plan for you, and your loving Heavenly Father will protect you, and He will provide for you, and He will place you where you are supposed to be in order to advance His kingdom. And like I said, we can't see everything He sees. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly, but even with that, even though we can't see, we can still trust Him because He took the time to write your story in His book before you were ever born. God has a plan. And it's a wonderful plan. It's a glorious plan. And it's just for you. Bow your heads with me if you would.